Welcome back to this edition of the Smart Bridge Transform IT podcast. This is your host, Patrick Pauls, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mirage Ali. Mirage? Hey, guys. Welcome welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, today, we're, uh, we're also joined by our guest, Rev Cienzo. Uh, did I say that correctly, or are you going to have to correct me again? <laughs> it's Ciancio, and that's Ciancio. why I just go by Rev, because Rev. nobody forgets or mispronounces that. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on, Rev. And, um, you know, we're diverging a little bit from some of our, our standard super uh, technical conversations with uh, some, uh, you know, some executives and stuff. And we thought we'd, uh, like I said, we'd roll into a little bit of the other side to talk about marketing and technology and food service, and a couple things like that. And apparently you're a subject matter expert. Um, so one of the things that we definitely noticed when, uh, when we were, uh, when we linked up is that you have an amazing social media presence, um, at least definitely compared to me and a lot of the other people that uh, I interact with. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Now, uh, you have a very kind of interesting background and, um, you know, where you are, uh, like I said, have a lot of experience, a lot of different places doing different things. So one of the things I wanted to do is before we really get started, um, can you kind of give us a background on you, who you are as a person, and then how you really got into social media marketing and leveraging technology for you know, food service and how that all kind of got you to where you are right now? Sure. How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> who, who am I? Uh, I'm a French fry fanatic, a dad, and a monster truck lover. Uh, I'm not sure how relevant that is to this podcast, uh, but I've been in digital marketing and branding for 24, 25 years now. I originally wanted to be in radio, which is great because that's how come I have these cans on my head now. Uh, I realized being a radio broadcaster was really not what I wanted to do, uh, and I moved out to New York City in 1996 to be a uh, basically to do marketing in the music business, helping bands to establish their career and go on to become, you know, international touring recording acts. And I've worked with, uh, you know, bands far and wide is, um, uh, I mean, I did a lot of heavy metal, so I've done Slayer and Iron Maiden, but I've also worked with uh, uh, Blink-182 and, and just a number of bands. But uh, I, I started out my career doing um, uh, uh, career management for artists and marketing and sort of started a, did a startup with Warner Brothers Music. We were doing VIP ticketing for groups like uh, Justin Timberlake and Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez and 311. And that was a crazy ride. Uh, and somewhere around 2010, I kind of decided I hated the music business. Um, my passion was my business and I was no longer passionate about music or my business. And I was really obsessed at the time with like food and hospitality and, and that side of marketing. And I'd started a couple food blogs for a laugh and uh, restaurants were starting to call me and saying, hey, I see what you do on MySpace, true story, uh, and Twitter and uh, Facebook. Can you help me with my restaurant? And I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And I sort of was like, you know what? I'm all in. And I literally stood up at my desk one day in the music business and said, that's it. I'm closing the company, everybody. There's no more jobs here. I called all my clients. and was like, I'm handing you back your contracts. We're done. Goodbye. See you later. Uh, and the next day, started doing business development for Thrillist. Uh, helping them put together a rewards program, not unlike Groupon, except it was VIP offers, not discounts. And that was it. I bought a bar, uh, started selling advertising for a tech startup, and I've been in some form of uh, you know tech advertising, marketing, digital branding, 
for the hospitality business ever since. Uh, that story is much, much longer. That's really the, the truth of it. I went from standing on stage with Guar to uh, handing up large, holding up large piles of hamburgers in, in social media. Well, both of those actually sound like really entertaining times. I'm just going to say that a little bit <laughs> of a, a journey, a metalhead of my, <laughs> myself. Oh, also, no, no, uh, no offense here, but when you said MySpace, I was like, oh, so. If anyone was worried about your credentials and how long you've been doing this since uh, you said that you've been doing it on MySpace, it's like, okay, you kind of dated yourself there a little bit. But, you know, not not uh, not, not poking fun or uh, trying to get any digs in. No, and listen, I think uh, maintaining your digital footprint, whether you're me or a, a multinational brand, is super important. And I, I kid you not, I updated my MySpace password and my profile a month ago. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you still have, wow. Okay. Um, I, I should probably go back and update mine. There may be some very sketchy things from when I was younger, but we'll leave it at that. Um, okay. So right now, um, so can you talk a little bit more about exactly what you're doing right now? So you said, okay, you're holding big piles of hamburger or a huge pizza. And like I said, there are lots of pizzas from, uh, from what I saw on there. Um, so can you explain a little bit more about how and what you do? Sure. So, and thank you for asking. I'm a hospitality marketing uh, consultant. So I work with both uh, restaurant groups and restaurant brands, as well as tech companies to help them raise awareness from uh, new customers, generate more leads, shorten their sales cycle, uh, retain more customers, and basically align closer to their customer journey. Um, and some of my customers are hospitality tech companies that like POS providers or online ordering or marketing providers that help you generate new customers. And some of my clients are also restaurant groups who are looking to work with companies like that to closer align to their customer's journey and help them surprise and delight. All right. Now, with that said, um, do you focus on a specific subsection of the industry, like a uh, certain revenue or certain styles of restaurants, for example, say something like Darden Group, or are you basically more or less a free agent that goes around and offers your services to whoever wants them whenever they need them? So I love this question. And it would be really smart to put together a customer persona or a number of personas around who's the right person to attract. Um, and I do that. Mine's a little different, right? So mine is two things. I want to work with companies who uh, have exemplary uh, leadership and visionary qualities, you know, people who are really trying to transform and grow and do something different. Uh, and then also that they have an appropriate budget. <laughs> uh, but the first thing is super key, right? Like, I don't care if you're a, a, a local pizza shop or you are Darden, I will work with you as long as you want to be transformative, as long as the customer journey is super important to you. Uh, and you really have, uh, you know, visionary leadership, visionary like qualities. Uh, and so I don't discern in terms of like size of business. It's more about, Hey, do you want to be a transformational leader or not? You do cool. We can talk. Okay. Um, and not to uh, not to go in and throw any uh, plugs your way, but um, when we we were talking and prepping for the podcast, you did mention something about the fact that you had a you were in the process of writing a white paper. Now I'm not going to have you uh, I'm not going to ask you to give away the keys to the kingdom and uh, divulge any trade secrets right now, but I would like to dive in a little bit to that and say, hey, okay, so you have all of this experience. Um, this is what your your passion is. This is what you love to do. 
but I was wondering if maybe you could give us a couple of pointers on someone. So, hey, you come in, you have a new client. They say, hey, we want to be transformative. But of course, they're a food service industry. So they're focused on, you know, the kitchen and the back office and trying to get food orders out. But they really, you know, the technology piece, they're still a little lagging on. So what would some of the things you'd come in and to kind of assess the situation and what would be some, you know, entry level recommendations you do to get someone into that space and start really developing that? Again, how much time do we have? Um, so when I all the time you need, God bless. Let's let's clear the afternoon. Um, so typically, when I'm working with a a restaurant brand or a restaurant group, the first thing I'll do is sit down with them and go, okay, what does your customer journey look like right now? Um, how do you acquire customers? What happens when you acquire them? How do you bring them back in? And typically, a lot of that is marketing and branding. And we'll look at, um, you know, what is their paid program? What is their social program? What is their loyalty program? You know, how are they collecting email addresses? Stuff like that. Um, and once we've sort of understood what their customer map is, meaning how do they re- acquire, retain uh, their customers, we'll go look at what are the drivers. So how to you know, once they've acquired somebody through search or they've acquired somebody through influence or marketing or whatever it is, what happens to the customer then? And basically we look at all those touch points, right? Most of them lead to the same area, collecting an email address, a name or phone number, right? Almost all of them. Because ultimately in the food service business, you're trying to drive return trips, right? New trips are hard. Return trips are actually uh, easier, but and, and there's a roadmap for that. And it's amazing how many restaurants don't really have a system in place where they can look at all the pieces of that. So that's the first thing we'll do is just basically figure out their customer journey and how to make more return trips happen. Um, from that point, the roadmap kind of builds itself, right? If we know that they're acquiring customers from paid social, we double down. If we know that you know their top 20% are basically using loyalty or app, we double down. Does that make sense? Um, what happens then? I, I just asked you if that makes sense and I kept talking. Let me stop there. <laughs> so it, it does make sense. But my question for you is, and you know, this is always a debate, whatever line of business you're in, even personal skill sets and personal development, there are two schools of thought, right? So one person will come in and say, hey, you need to be a jack of all trades. You need to be a little bit more versatile and you know, develop different skill sets and bring in different things from different areas. You just said that effectively that you look at what's working and you double down on that. So can you go through that mentality a little bit, why you would double down on what's working versus try and build new streams? I, I don't want to call them revenue streams, but customer streams to come in. Like why, why would those, why would you recommend that versus the other? So typically I would recommend to a company that they do two things at once, right? You ha- once you've looked at your customer journey, that helps you find the holes, right? But it also f- helps you find what's working. So if something's working, there's no need to like, alter it or stop it, just keep doing it, do more of it, right? And so that's like what I look at as low hanging fruit, like, hey, what's working that we could easily tune up more of, right? At the same time, I also like to work on much, much bigger projects, more transformative projects, that once those things are working, they actually make the thing that's already working stronger. So as an example, if you know that 5% of your customers are worth 20% of your uh, revenue, and that's because they're in your app or your loyalty program, right? We're going to do more loyalty program and more app, but then we're going to work on a project that brings more people into your loyalty and your app. So you have the low hanging fruit, and then the how do we reverse engineer uh, higher hanging fruit? Is that a thing? Uh, to funnel into lower hanging fruit. And so you kind of work on those two things at the same time. 
double down on what you know is working, get more of it, make it stronger so that when you make the uh, harder to acquire customers or the harder to acquire system work, that that whole funnel is built for them and it connects through and it works even better. Again, let me look at it this way. If the bottom of the funnel is cranking and then you can crank up the top of the funnel, you're in a great position. So as a practical example, you'd say, okay, random fast food restaurant, because I've seen this come out a lot, especially in the past couple of years. Their loyalty program is they have an app on your phone where you get buy one, get one freeze and other stuff like that. So what you're saying is double down on that, get that mechanism working, funnel those customers in there, you know, keep those return customers co uh, coming. And then you do some type of marketing campaign, whether it be social media, print, advertisement, uh, talking about this new app and giving people been, um, signing whenever you sign up, you get something free so that they, they come and they use the app more and they're more likely to continue to use that and become one of those 5% of the return customers that generate the most revenue. Is, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Do you want to come work for me and do my job? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I am. Uh... <laughs> no, that was pretty, that's exactly it. If you know that every time you message customers who are in your loyalty app, they purchase within 24 hours, then, and you're messaging them once a week, try twice a week. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or if you know that you're messaging uh, buy one, get one offers, and by the way, thank you for not using the word BOGO. Um, only restaurant execs use the word BOGO. Consumers do not use the word BOGO. Uh, if you know that buy one, get one free offers have a certain percentage, and you have an idea that maybe just brand messaging without an offer might also do something, test them both, see what happens, double down on the one that wins. Fair enough. Now, along those lines, and because we're kind of getting down this rabbit hole here. Um, so, okay, so basically uh, one of the old sayings and I keep using this, if it can't be measured, it can't be managed, right? So when you're doing uh, conflicting or several different campaigns at the same time to see which one works, how do you as a social media person get those metrics and analytics in to see whether or not those are as effective as you think they may be? That's a good question. And because there are so many touch points, again, we're talking about digital marketing here. There are so many ways that a consumer discovers or finds a brand or even chooses where to get their next meal that it's hard to tie them all together. So you have to put together um, a system of measurement that makes sense, right? And that's why I always say you got to back out of what you know is working. If you know Again, 5% of your customers drive 20% of your business, and that's because they're in their app. you got to reverse engineer that. So if you're looking at how is my performance on Twitter, you know, what am I doing, what am I measuring, I would tell you to measure how many signups you get in your app from Twitter, right? Because mm -hmm. take what you know is working and take something you want to try for a channel and see if you can make the two connect. Right. And so that might mean putting together, I know we're using Twitter here as an example, but put together a campaign that is specifically just for Twitter to see if you can drive signups. Maybe you need UTM parameters, maybe you need a link shortener, but whatever it is, you got to have that overarching goal uh, that you're looking to drive towards and you have to know how to measure it in advance. You know, are impressions important? Yeah, they're incredibly important. You know, are retweets valuable? Sure, they are. All those things are valuable, but they also have to have a goal in mind. And the other thing I would say, and this is a key uh, a program that I work with my customers on, is measuring is important. All that stuff is important. But what's important to make that effective is to make sure that you have a content mix that leads to the ability that you can ask a customer to take an action. So what does that mean? Right? I call it the content calendar matrix. Let's say that your brand is putting out content seven days a week. You are Sunday through Saturday content. If you... Every single day as a restaurant, say, sign up for our app, 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 sign up for our app. 
Nobody is going to take a, uh, a key there. You know why? That's like listening to a song that is only drum solos. Okay. You know what? There is a percentage uh, of people in the country that will listen to seven minute drum solo. I probably know some of those people, uh, but you don't have a song, right? You, your content needs to create a beautiful song. It's got to have an intro and it's got to have a bridge and it's got to have a chorus and it's got a crescendo. And that crescendo is your CTA. Join our app. So if you are, you know, if you're Taco Bell, right, who are actually really good at this, one day of the week, you put something about the culture of the business. You know, another day you put something about a food item that you know everybody loves. Uh, on the third day, you do something that's a bit more maybe slightly controversial, right? Anyway, you get the point. If you can have that beautiful content mix that creates that beautiful brand song on day seven or whatever your action day is, it's super easy to say, hey, join our app. Maybe you've given them a coupon on day number three. You know, maybe you've done an interview with your chief people person on day six. Does that make sense? Uh, I mean, it, yeah. it totally makes sense. I mean, so you take a look at it, and I'm just because I'm a technology guy. I look at, you know, how many people actually read pop-ups when you get them. You just automatically close them out. They become noise in the background, and you don't do it. So, but what you're saying is, just like any other thing, you build up to the call to action, and then you don't bombard them with that so that it actually is more meaningful and people really consider it opposed to it just being noise in the background. Yeah. hundred percent. You ha you have to build a beautiful song with your content. Okay. Okay. I think, uh, I think we're on the same page there. Okay. Now, Mirage, I, uh, I apologize. I cut you off earlier. You, uh, you had a, you had something you wanted to say, so go ahead. No, I just, I was just, I'm taking all that in. That sounds like a lot of good detail and insight there. You know, you can definitely tell, the experience there. So I know you mentioned the white paper, Patrick, and I want to kind of go more into that as well. Um, you know, I think Rev, you mentioned there's about 20 to 30 points that you mentioned that are in that white paper. Um, I wanted to, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I wanted to get your take on what you felt were like some of the key points that you, that are, that you want to get across to uh, our audience, you know? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I am working on an ebook. I'm hoping to have it out next week. I don't know when this will go live or uh, hopefully at the time that people hear it, it is. Uh, but what it does, the, the, the intention of the ebook is to clearly organize the digital touch points and the customer journey for a restaurant, right? It's going to serve as a guide to help restaurant brands to create a frictionless branded experience that aligns with their customer journey, both online and offline. Okay. That's going to allow a brand to surprise and delight in all of the brand experiences. Okay. And I actually went through and I calculated to the best of my ability, how many digital touch points happen in a customer journey for a restaurant to have one meal, right? Whether they come in your dining room, they order for pickup or they have it home at home delivered. I believe that there are at least 23 to 25 digital touch points, right? And a brand that's striving for a perfect experience, right? A, a brand that really, really cares about their customer journey is going to make sure that their brand is represented accurately and appropriately in each one of those 25 different touch points. And so the, the ebook will walk through the journey in a story perspective, right? So you'll see how it happens, right? And then I have a checklist on what all those touch points are so you can align and then how to actually go and, and make sure that your brand is uh, aligned to your customer journey and all of those touch points. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly proud and super excited about the project, and I really thank you guys for bringing it up. Now, one more thing before we dive into the, the nitty-gritty of that. Um, just at a high level, okay, so you said 23 to 25 digital touch points, right? And, of course, that's your, your area of expertise. You're, you're talking about marketing, digital marketing, and things like that. Just real quickly before we go into those, um, so how – 
can you give me a broad idea of how this digital marketing process and these touch points integrate in with the traditional mediums of marketing you know like i said print advertisement billboards you know those type of things and why we want to really focus on the digital versus just maintaining what we have in the standard i i guess analog world yeah cool and and those things are real right people still spend money on billboards um and for sure people still see billboards the the ebook uh and the way i've written it aligns to digital touch points that aren't necessarily marketing okay uh or acquisition marketing because these are things that happen regardless of whether you've spent money or not right and so as you go through the ebook it'll talk about you know your website and your listings and reviews and coupons and reservations and delivery and organic social media stuff like that but then uh you know you talk about those other uh those other things the more traditional media i think that when a brand is buying advertising they their brand is represented there right so if you're buying a billboard or you're paying for an advertisement or you're doing a sponsorship your brand is involved and so i'm not worried uh or concerned with having to help a, a restaurant brand think about how to make sure that their customer journey is aligned in those moments that that's kind of part of how it works they're probably working with a creative agency that's doing that and so i want to make sure that the time and care that they would put into an acquisition play like a billboard or a tv commercial that they're doing the same thing to all the other touch points right including how are you how how is the um how is the moment where you present a receipt how does that fit in your brand, right? What are you doing in your CRM? What is your waitlist experience like? How does that? How is that aligned to your brand? See what I'm saying? So, I'm just getting because you know marketing and uh, this type of thing is not my area of expertise. Um, would you say that basically this guide is trying to, in addition to give you a roadmap, but highlight the fact that there's a lot of potential here that people may not be capitalizing on a lot and a lot of ways for you to improve your brand and um, keep people happy that you know may not be at the forefront of a lot of different organizations' mindset when it comes to customer attention, loyalty, and just general you know reaching out and, and brand awareness? Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. All right. See, that's that's kind of the stage I wanted to set. Is saying that you know this this type of thing, while we grow, we develop, technology becomes more of a part of our life. It is one of those things that even me, as you know, not working in the food service industry per se, is that I've seen that it's people and restaurants specifically are lagging in these things because they don't really see the value of it. And what you're saying is, generally speaking, there's a lot of a lot of low-hanging fruit, a lot of bang for your buck here as far as time, effort, and dollars spent that can actually really improve it as opposed to just sticking with the traditional uh, and uh, the older school methods of uh, of doing business. Would that be uh, correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, the restaurant business um, was built in the, in a universe before, uh, before iPhones and before the internet, right? People were going to restaurants when we, even before we had electricity, <laughs> right? right? So the, 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 at least I believe that I wasn't alive then. Um, but I read about it in a book once, uh, you know, <laughs> the restaurant journey, the business model was built is an offline experience, right? Uh, you know, you somebody would tell you about a restaurant in 1871 and you would ride your horse over and eat there. Uh, again, I'm making this up as I go a little bit. But, you know, restaurants have had to transform into an online world. And the customer journey now starts online and it ends online. So, 
you know, if I'm a, if I'm a consumer and I'm going to go to a restaurant, even if, you know, you have told me, Rev, you got to go eat this place. It's unbelievable. They're amazing. You know, they have the greatest loyalty app. You're going to get a free French fry. You could tell me all these things and it, it could be enough for me to go there. Right. But what am I going to do? I'm going to pull up my phone. I'm still going to look at the menu. I'm still going to look at your ratings on Yelp. I'm still going to use ways to get directions to your restaurant. I might order ahead online. I might make a reservation. And so the customer journey starts online. It goes offline to eat the meal only or to walk into your restaurant. And then it goes back online, right? Where I post a picture to my social media. I might leave a review. I might talk to my friends about it. I might you know, sign up for your email blast. The entire journey is surrounded by digital. And I think because restaurants as traditionally were this very offline experience uh, and, and traditional advertising and marketing is offline, the digital universe is expanding way faster than restaurants are meeting how to align it with their, their marketing and their customer journey. Yeah, you, you definitely answered my question there. You know, Apple invented the iPhone, what, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, and now it's time for restaurants to let us use it. <laughs> fair, fair Good way to put it. <laughs> All right. So going back to what Mirage said earlier, where I kind of, you know, again, I like taking these things on the, off tangents and down rabbit holes. Um, so in, in your white paper, you know, we're, we're going back to that. We have these digital touch points. So you said it was kind of like it was a journey. It reads like a story and it kind of goes through the process. So do you want to highlight a couple of those and kind of walk us through at a high level what some of those items would be? Sure. So the 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 journey, right, go, like I said, it goes offline, uh, online, offline, online. And that's how I've broken down the, the ebook. And it talks about what are the digital touch points pre-service? What are the digital touch points during service? And what are the digital point touch points after service? And some of them are the same, right? Because if you're going to email me or you're going to text me or you're going to post on social media, that can happen before or after I'm in the store, right? So just to give, we'll, we'll walk through it through like a story. Okay, you tell me to go eat at this restaurant. I go, awesome. So I go into a browser. I search for that restaurant. So the better make sure that you're search optimized, right? Even mm -hmm. for your brand name, you got to be search optimized. Yeah. I'm going to go into the website. I'm going to look at your menu, right? I'm going to pop over to Google and see what people are saying, right? I might Google to see if you have an app, right? Do I want to sign up? I might check to see if you have coupons. I might go into Yelp and look at if you see if a card linked offer, right? I might text three or four of my friends to see if they want to get a reservation with me. I'm going to either call or make a reservation online or decide that I want to do delivery. And then am I ordering from you? Am I ordering from Seamless? Am I using Uber Eats, right? I might go check your Instagram the day I'm going to eat there to see what the food looks like and start to think about what I want to eat, right? Uh, I may pop into uh, an influencer, may pop into my Instagram feed before I get there right you may if i've made a reservation you might text me to tell me that you know hey want to confirm your reservation at 8 p.m i'm going to get in a car or a ride share i'm going to call for directions and so i you need to make sure that your address is correct in all those places okay i haven't even walked in your door that's 16 digital touch points 16 yeah. i've had 16 touches with your brand if you go google what it takes to sell products they will tell you that you need to make seven and 11 impressions to make a sale it's no different for a restaurant. There are actually 16, okay? Now I'm going to walk in your door, right? I'm going to be greeted by somebody. They might pull up a tablet and tell me where I'm sitting, or I might order in advance, right? Or I might use a, a kiosk to order. It's three more digital, digital touch points. 
Again, I might look for pictures of food on Google to see, hey, is this gonna experience gonna live up to what I wanna look like? I'm gonna make a payment and I might use Apple Pay or you might have order ahead or you might have contactless payment where we're headed next, right? Then, then you're gonna text me and ask me how was the meal? Or I might just go tell people on Yelp, right? I haven't even left the building yet, right? You're gonna wanna try to get my contact info if you don't have it already so that you can market to me again, right? And hopefully if I'm already in your CRM, right? You're able to personalize my meal a little. That's six touch points while I'm having the service, right? Then I'm going to mm-hmm. leave. Again, you might text me and ask me for my sentiment. I might just leave it on Yelp on my own, right? I might then follow you on Instagram or, or Facebook because I had such a good time and I might give you a rating. I might sign up your email and now I'm in your CRM. That's six more touch points, right? That's 25 digital touch points before, during, and after the service. And if a brand really wants to surprise and delight and really drive return trips, they need to make sure that their brand is managed in each of those moments and that the experience that the user has matches the experience of the dining experience. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the whole thing. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it, actually. I think that you're right. Like when, when you go to these restaurants, the, often the differentiator, at least for me, is do they have uh, good reviews on Yelp? Do they have direction? Do they have a lot of digital touch points that you mentioned? Maybe that's because I'm in technology. I don't know. But I feel like a lot of people, like you said, they often see that. And that's often the differentiator between going to, to a restaurant that has these already set up versus one that does not, you know? Yeah, I think. And I guess my. Go ahead. No, no, you finish. Yeah, I guess so. My question is, you know, with all these digital touch points, you know, it's one thing to know about them and one thing to understand the importance of it. What is the what are the factors that you see uh, in your experience that allow for a restaurant that restaurant or organization or company that hasn't doesn't have those things but wants to get there? Um, so I think they need to, again, map the customer journey. What are the touch points? And I've kind of written this in checklist form, right? What, what, what are the ones you currently have control of? Which ones do you need control of? Right. And, and start to figure out what is the software or technology you need to do that. But here's the secret sauce. Here's where we're going. Restaurant operators and I, from McDonald's and Applebee's down to mom and pop shops, they, they are overly concerned with operations, right? Um, make food costs and food service and how quick they serve things and what is the cost of paper plates and like all of these things. Well, if you don't have customers, none of that matters, right? None of that matters. And I think, you know, you have this very robust operations team. You know, your your store might have a general manager. You may have a district manager. You're going to have an operations person at corporate and blah, 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 blah. And then you have like two marketing people, right? I think that the future of, of, of a really, really transformative and successful restaurant is taking their marketing department and marrying it with their operations department, right? Because typically, uh, you know, you hire like a social media manager to go reply to reviews and that's not going to fly anymore, right? If you're a really large brand, if you're Burger King and you have however many thousands of restaurants you have, it feels like a, a formidable or an insurmountable task to manage the digital footprint of every single one of your stores. And it is, right? But what you should do is make sure that there's somebody at least at a district level or even if you can really master it at the local level who's almost like an air traffic controller, right? Who's There's somebody in charge of the digital footprint of that store. And whether it is um, 
reserv making sure reservations go through, replying to social media, managing reviews, making sure that you are doing local marketing at a scalable fashion. You know, a super restaurant brand is going to start to train people who are inside the the uh, the restaurant, who are inside the location, to own the digital footprint, right? Uh, you know, I don't mean to bag on McDonald's. But they're just the biggest restaurant out there that I can think of, right? Are they managing their business at the local level? I don't know, but every restaurant is local to the people that live near it, right? They, they, they live near there. They take directions there. They, they know the person that greets them in the morning when they get their, you know, Egg McMuffin. Like if when a, when a national restaurant chain can think about these touch points at the local level, they're going to kick everybody else's behind because they will have figured out how to operate at scale at a local level. And I think that's going to require thinking about how operations and marketing get married at headquarters and at the location. Now, to, to diverge from that conversation topic for a second, you know, kind of I, I got to let my brain kind of process a little bit of that in the background. Um, one of the other things that we had discussed previously, but we did not touch on yet was the fact that you actually have your own podcast as well. Is that correct? I do. So, I mean, this would be the time where I'd say, go ahead, shameless plug. Let's <laughs> let's talk about it. But I also want to know how you got into the podcast and specifically how podcasting ties into this whole, uh, dig you know, the digital touch points and the social media marketing and things like that, and why that's becoming significantly more relevant than it was, say, five years ago. Oh, man, again, how much time do we have? Um, so my podcast is called Restaurant Executive Mastery, uh, and it's co-hosted by me and uh, transformational life coach John Shaw. He's incredible. I highly recommend everybody check out John. He's my coach. Um, but we interview you know, executives at restaurant brands and talk to them about how they transform their business and the things that they do to lead the success of their companies. And you know, we just talked to, to Todd Kuti, the chief uh, operations officer at Luby's and Fuddruckers. You know, we just talked to Gregory Zamfotis, the CEO and founder of Gregory's Coffee, uh, Nadal Ahmad, one of the co-founders of Pincho. But we get into their their head and talk about success and what makes you know what works in your mindset and how you manage your own self and your team in a leadership like like way. Um, you asked why are podcasts important or how did I get into it? Um, like I said, when I was a teenager, I really wanted to be a radio DJ. Uh, I grew up listening to hip hop in Detroit and wanted to spin hip hop on the airwaves. Uh, and I got eventually got a job as a radio DJ and it took about four weeks before I decided I hated it. <laughs> uh, but I've always had that desire to have uh, to talk into a microphone. So that's always been there. And this is actually my second podcast. I used to have a podcast uh, called Like, Bite and Share that was about restaurant marketing. Uh, and I've just always thought there were, that there were things and thoughts that people in our business have that they can share that help other people. And podcasting to me seems like a great way to have a really long thought about a very deep subject. Uh, you know, people listen to podcasts while they're working out, while they're riding their bike, while they're commuting to work or, you know, laying in bed. I don't know. I, I listen to mine while I'm doing my stretches in the morning. Um, and I just find like if you're somebody who wants to think, it's a great way to uh to ingest information. And if you're somebody that has something incredible to share, it's a great way to, to share something incredible. That I do, uh, I do, at least from my side, I like the more long form interview uh, style conversations opposed to the short, you know, three or four minute sound bites. It seems like, again, you know, modern, you know, technology, everything going the way that it is more and more. So it's just like you get the 
hey, this is what's going on, or this advertisement, or this 15-second clip. But for me, like I said, the podcasting, we can sit here for a half an hour, 45 minutes, and actually have a real conversation. And I find that a lot more stimu- intellectually stimulating than you know a 15-second soundbite on YouTube. It's a great way to share information in a contextual manner, right? Like, you know, if you're doing a how-to guide, you can write a blog or create a YouTube video. But if you really want to talk about something, why you should think about something or how to think about something, it's a great way to, to share that kind of thinking. All right. And then to go back to one of – because I asked you about like six questions in a row. Um, <laughs> so we we like podcasts. I mean we're on a podcast right now, so we may have a little bit of – a vested interest in that, but that's for another conversation. I'm okay with that bias. <laughs> um, my, my question for you specifically is, okay, so given this whole digital transformation and you know, really trying to harness all of the, the power of the internet for your company and for your brand, how specifically does podcasting tie into that? Like at what stage and where is that something that it would actually be Something that not just because everyone else is doing it, but that it would actually be a viable option for you to see some type of benefit for. That's a great question, man. Thank you for asking that. Um, you know, asked another way is should restaurant brands start creating podcasts? And my retort to that would be, well, I don't know. How does that factor into the goals for the company? Right. If if you are a transformative company um, or you have something really incredible to share about your culture or who you are, the way you think that translates into a podcast format that can inspire either other people in the industry or customers to love you more then heck, yeah, man, get on that podcast and ride. But if you're starting one just because you heard podcasts are cool um, and that people are downloading podcasts, that's the wrong reason to start one. You know, like I would for sure listen to a podcast from a company that's so highly regarded, like an in and out, like they've been there forever. People love that brand. If they wanted to do uh, even a mini series of podcasts where they talked about the evolution of the in and out brand or how they make their brand decisions, man, sign me up. I'm listening to that. You know what I'm saying? Or if you have somebody in your organization who's really funny or really, really engaging, you know, for sure, there's a lot of executives out there or, or executive chefs who are just interesting people. You know, it's not just Rachel Ray. <laughs> like if you want to put a podcast together around some of your members who are really just interesting people, that's awesome. You know, or, or if you're uh, if you're a company like Raising Cane's, Raising Cane's has unbelievable customer service. If you wanted if Raising Cane's wanted to do a podcast about incredible customer service, even where maybe they interview other brands who are doing incredible customer service. That's amazing branding. That's incredible thinking. I would do that. Yeah, that sounds like a really good distinction to make is make what are your intentions going in and how does it fit into your journey and your brand? Yeah, I think that'd be incredible. Um, there, there are for sure some really creative ways that I think restaurant brands could use podcasts as long as, again, it fit into whatever the goal is that they're trying to achieve. One of, one of the things that I'm thinking is, you know, again, you do have your white paper going out. We could talk a little bit more about that, but I'm of the mindset that, you know, we've we've given everyone a little bit of an overview of it. And I think, you know, some appetites have been, you know, we've whetted some appetites there. So I think the best thing would be is for you to uh, finish that white paper, get it out there, and then have people actually go through the entire thing. I mean, 
while I enjoy the, the long form interviews, like I said, and we're having a great conversation, really, if they want to really, really get down into the nitty gritty of it, I mean, reading through the entire white paper, I mean, you could sit here and read it to me. But again, if I wanted to do that, I could just go for an audio book. <laughs> well, when, when we talked, when we originally talked about putting together this podcast, uh, it was a white paper. It has since become a full on ebook. There are images yeah. and graphs and like I, I've decided to make it pretty so it's more digestible. Yeah, so I mean, anybody that, that is interested in it, assuming that uh, it's it's out, it should be by the time this podcast is live. Just find me on social. I'm Rev Ciencio on on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's R E V, and then you're not going to be able to spell the rest. It's C I A N C I O. A lot of people are like I still don't know how to spell that. I run the world's largest French fry themed Instagram account. It's Fun with Fries. Everybody <laughs> remembers that. Everybody can find that. The Rev Ciencio link is in the bio of that instagram page so there you go i was just gonna ask you where everyone can find you yeah or, or if you're really into if you're really a search junkie which i think some of your audience might be if you google expert burger taster i will be the top seven results <laughs> there you oh. go so <laughs> you, you have the sso down already <laughs> wow that that's 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 pretty awesome um anyway um Thank you, Rev, a lot. That was uh, very enlightening and definitely a very entertaining conversation. I really appreciate you coming on today. So, um, yeah, thank you. Guys, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super grateful uh, for this experience, and thank you for inviting me on the show. It's an incredible show, uh, and I hope that everybody that listens today uh, subscribes to the show and gives you guys a, a very high rating and wherever they listen to their show. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming. This is great insight. And if you liked our episode today, go ahead and like and subscribe. On our many platforms, we're on Twitter, SoundCloud, a bunch of podcast players, and definitely check out the smartbridge.com forward slash blog uh, for more information so you can get the latest and greatest episodes straight to your device. Thanks for joining us. And remember, business transformation starts with you. <laughs> <laughs>